Today I'm preaching from behind the pulpit that was actually made by Bob Sumner in 2002. I'm in my basement in, uh, well, actually in Jacob's room. Uh, he, he has the basement room. And yes, I hope uh, that this pulpit will help me preach a little bit better than I did last week, but uh, I guess only God can help me with that. So let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you that you are here with us, even though that we are separated and uh, not together in, in one building, Lord. We know we are together in one spirit that is your spirit, and we pray that by your spirit, Lord, your, your word would just come into our hearts, Lord, and change us and uh, just make us more like you, Lord, as we submit to your word and as we submit to, to you by your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm continuing my sermon series from the Gospel of John today, picking it up at verse 17 of chapter 11. And some of you who attended the last memorial service at the church will hear some of the same thing that you heard in that service as we're going over the same uh, piece of scriptures, the same passage. We read in John 11, verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So Lazarus must have been right at the point of death when his sisters had called for Jesus and died shortly thereafter. And Jesus knew it, of course. It would have not made a difference if Jesus had delayed going as he had or not delayed and gone right away. Lazarus would still have been dead, just two days dead instead of four days dead. And remember who we're dealing with here, the same Jesus who had spoken healing from a distance for the official's son in Capernaum, recorded in John 4. Jesus could have done the same for Lazarus. It's interesting that Hebrew Midrash, commenting on the book of Leviticus at the time, had developed an idea that the soul of a person hovers over the body for three days and then departs. I'm not sure where they got that idea from. It's not biblical, but it may help explain why Jesus had delayed his coming to Lazarus. If that was contemporary thinking, it would have been so much more miraculous then that Jesus waited that long. More to the glory of God, you might say, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it, at least to those who had been watching and thinking that way. Bethany, that was where Martha and Mary lived, was near Jerusalem, verse 18 says, about two miles off and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So you can imagine that it was quite an emotionally charged atmosphere there. Yes, it was a funeral visitation, but Middle East style, not North American. And many of the Jews of Jerusalem had come to grieve with this family and console them. So Lazarus, 
or someone in the family had obviously been a well-known figure and well-respected in their community. And his death was unexpected. He was too young. He wasn't supposed to die. This was a tragedy. And maybe he had family to look after. Even if he wasn't married and had his own family yet, still he had his two sisters and they loved him dearly. When I had the recent episode with my son Jacob, rushing him to the hospital in the middle of the night for his heart, what touched me the most was to see the greetings that his two sisters, who were at home at the time, gave him when he returned home safely. My youngest girl burst out of the house as we were pulling up in the driveway and came running to hug him as he got out of the car. The older one didn't express quite so much exuberance and affection, but it was there. But it had not gone this well with these two sisters, Martha and Mary. They had lost their beloved brother, and they were distraught. And there was more going on than that. Those many Jews from Jerusalem probably had in their numbers some of those who were not fond of Jesus, even antagonistic toward him. And they had arrived to console the family before Jesus had. It seems that Martha had gone out first to meet Jesus when she heard he was near in order to bring him up the speed that her brother was already dead, yes, which uh, Jesus already knew, of course, but also, perhaps, to let him know who was present at their home, to warn him that some of those who had tried to stone him just before, whom Thomas had been referring to, were there too. When she met Jesus, the first thing that Martha said to Jesus was what we would have expected her to say. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she is not telling Jesus that he should have come earlier when she first called him. No, her brother had died shortly after she had called him. She knows that Jesus would not have made it even if he had left as soon as he heard. Martha is simply saying to Jesus, if you had never left here, never left this vicinity like you had, if you had stayed with us, my brother would not have died. And she is probably also resenting the fact that he had been forced away. She was resenting those who had forced him away with their attempt to stone him to death. And she adds this statement, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What is Martha saying there? Is she saying that she knows that Jesus can ask the Father to give her brother eternal life and he will give it? Or is she saying that she knows that Jesus can ask for her brother to be brought back from the dead? Well, just the fact that Jesus does not commend her faith right then and there makes me believe it was the former. Nevertheless, 
Martha obviously has been listening to Jesus' teaching and has incredible faith in Jesus. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha wants to clarify. I mean, wouldn't you if you were her? Could Jesus be implying that he would raise her brother from the dead right then? Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha seems to be carefully assuming that Jesus is speaking in terms of the resurrection as a specific event in the future on the last day when all who died in the flesh will rise in spirit to answer to God for their deeds when alive. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now this is the fifth of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And as with the four that came before, Jesus is proclaiming who he is. He continues, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks Martha this, do you believe this? Well, what is Jesus saying here? What exactly does I am the resurrection and the life mean? Is Jesus saying I am that event? that event that Martha was referring to? Is he not saying, I am the cause and the reason behind it? As we can see from reading, Martha had incredible faith in Jesus already. She knew and she believed that if Jesus had been present, her brother would not have died. Jesus would have healed her beloved brother right then, but Jesus hadn't been present. And she was confused when her brother fell ill, but even more at the circumstances that had led to Jesus not being present with them when it happened. And then after she had sent for Jesus, her brother had died and, and things that like that confuse us. And they usually shake our faith but that didn't change Martha's faith in Jesus. She went on believing in Jesus, saying to him when he finally did arrive, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What an incredible faithful statement that was, that Martha said, considering the circumstances. She believed that Jesus had such a relationship with God his Father in heaven that he would give him whatever he asked, and she believed that her brother would rise again on the last day. But did Martha have faith that Jesus would ask that her brother would be raised again right then? Again, it doesn't seem so from her response to Jesus' statement that your brother will rise again. In her mind, the possibility of that of her brother rising from the dead, had passed. It was beyond her present reality. Her brother was gone. 
no longer with her on earth. And Martha believed in the resurrection, but her idea of the resurrection was purely theological in nature. The raising of the dead was a proposition that she had believed in. It was an event in the future. It had been written about in Hebrew scriptures, in the prophets, in Isaiah, in Daniel, in Hosea, and her understanding of it, no doubt, only had its fulfillment later on, as she had stated on the last day, when all would be changed and, and a new reality would begin. But Jesus confronted Martha on that, saying, I am the resurrection and the life. What was Jesus saying there? What exactly did he mean? What does he mean? As I said, Martha had used the term resurrection to refer to a specific event in the future on the last day. Is Jesus saying that I am that event? No, he's not. Jesus is saying the resurrection is a present and personal reality. Before hearing this, the resurrection to Martha was not a present or personal reality, but Jesus was saying it is. Again, what does that mean? Here we must consider how the Gospel of John begins. It begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The word, John goes on to show, was the pre-incarnate Jesus. Light, we know, is radiant energy, visible or invisible. So we may translate John 1.4 in this way, with that in mind. In Jesus was life, and the life was the radiant energy of men. Hebrews 1.3 says Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Colossians 1, 16-17 says all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Of course, the Apostle Paul said, as recorded by Luke in Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. Yet we don't often think in those terms, do we? And neither did Martha. And I think that's because we choose most of what we consume, most of what we eat and drink anyway, and choose how we act. And so we think erroneously that we are in control of our life, at least until something out of our control, like what, are we, what we are experiencing now, confronts us. But what if we tried training ourselves to think in this reality always, 
that my life and all my energy comes from God through Jesus Christ, that all our physical and mental energy come ultimately from God through Jesus. It does. And that's where resurrected eternal life comes from as well. So if we know and love Jesus, that reality takes away our fear of death. There is no resurrection apart from Jesus because there is no life, present or eternal, apart from him. And that was and is Jesus's claim. That's what the Gospel of John, and in fact all of the Bible, is about. Life in God from Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am not only the cause and reason behind the resurrection, but I am in fact the life and being of resurrection. So resurrection goes beyond an event. The resurrection event is simply evidence of the being behind it, the evidence of the energy that is radiating from Jesus. Resurrection is the life-giving and life-sustaining power coming from the eternal source of life itself, Jesus himself. Without him, there is no life. Jesus' statement that he is the resurrection and the life provides a different perspective on life for us. It's God's perspective. And that perspective claims that death and time are not obstacles, either for Jesus or for those who believe in him. Death has no dominion over Jesus, who is life itself and has life in himself, and it has no dominion over us who follow Jesus us who by faith are in him. Because Jesus lives, we live. Because Jesus is life, we have life everlasting. In closing, I would ask you to consider where your life came from. Before you were conceived and born, you might say that your life came from your parents' life. And before that, their parents' life, and before that, their parents' life, right back to the beginning, and God. So if God could begin life, then God can resurrect it any way he pleases. But God pleases to resurrect it through his divine and human son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his death and life for us. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die eternally. Today, to find out if you will be resurrected to life in Jesus when you die, I suggest you ask Jesus to ask you the question that he asked Martha that day. Do you believe this? Do you believe he is the resurrection and the life? And if you do, you need not have any fear. 
If you don't, well, you should fear death. Please repent and ask him to give you faith to believe that. Peace to you. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we come to you thanking you for your word. We thank you that you still speak through your Holy Spirit, through your word, and that you can still change hearts and change my heart and change our hearts, Lord. And we just ask that you would continue to do so as we faithfully read your word, as we faithfully ask your Holy Spirit to give us your word alive today, that it might quicken our spirits, Lord, and, and help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.